Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. We, again, we're going to read out of Ephesians chapter 3, not uh, Matthew chapter 6. And as you're turning there, I want to just give you a little bit of background. I started walking with the Lord in 1984, and uh, I had this thing that a lot of people in the church had. I had an incredible love for God. I, I had an intellectual fascination with these things. Fortunately, by the grace of God, that uh, I had people in my life who taught me how to, to look at Scripture. And some of these words in the broken world in which I grew up in, they didn't use words like sanctification, things like that. And we didn't walk around the beach in San Diego saying, hey, sanctification, dude. We, uh, we just, that wasn't even part of my vocabulary. And so understanding what sanctification was, it was, it was kind of a mystery to me. And I had people in my life that taught me how you can go back into the Greek and the Hebrew. And I really thrived on that because I'm a highly analytical guy. And so I absorbed the scripture, and then people would say, wow, you know the scripture so well, and people would want to come to me as a young Christian, but there was no power in my life. I had an incredible amount of intellect about scripture, but there wasn't the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms lives, and I did what many of you guys uh, are doing is the rest of my time, besides Sundays and Wednesdays, and when I would teach a home fellowship, is there was compromise. There were things that I was doing that were, were grieving the Holy Spirit, and when you try to walk out your faith in an intellectual perspective, at some point, the Lord is going to bring a fire into your life that you can no longer hold it up intellectually. If this isn't experientially by the power of the Holy Spirit that is coming from the deepest parts of you, you will fail like I did in my faith and actually walked away for a season. And in the graciousness of God bringing me back, what I realized as I was reading through Scripture, I mean, it just came alive in such a different way, is that there is nothing that I can do here this morning except for maybe motivate a couple of you, but motivation doesn't work. The only way that the Lord is going to do something, this, the, the, it, truly do some changes, is if His Holy Spirit flows. And I have been praying over you the entire time we were worshiping, and as Pastor Joe was uh, introducing me and going through the bulletin. So I want to pray one more time before we get into Scripture. Father God, in your presence right now are four living beings and seraphim, God, and they are crying out, holy, holy, holy. These four living creatures, Father, if they showed up in this room, would cause us to, to scream and panic, if not even our hearts would fail us. These incredible angelic beings that are in your throne room, they have eyes all over themselves, and, and I get this picture that they can't take their eyes off of you, Lord God. And the seraphim with the wings and covering their eyes and covering their bodies, Lord God, almost in, in humility before you because how could they even appear before you? And as they cry out, they have the ability to come and scare the universe. Yet they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And these 24 elders, I don't understand that, but you've raised up these people with significance. You have blessed them. You have given them crowns. There's an importance in these 24 elders. And, and even the spiritual blessings in which you have given them, when they hear holy, 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 they fall to the ground and throw these things of great worth and world eyes, these crowns, these spiritual crowns, at your feet. Father, this is the God in whom we serve. And I am asking that you would pour out your spirit. I am asking that you would open up the, the eyes of our heart 
Lord God, that you would get us away from the intellect, that we would die to the flesh, and we would understand our identity. Father, as I had my eyes closed, and part of me is reluctant, but the other part of me is no way. I stand on a rock, and I am going to speak what you put on my heart. I had my eyes closed, and I saw the people in this room, many who are yours, sitting in a great banquet hall on that great day, Father, of the feast. And the brilliance, God, of the, the colors of heaven, I can't even describe, but their identity as, as priests, and even Revelations chapter 5, as kings, God, just their identity of what they have into eternity is beyond their belief. And I'm asking this morning that they would start to understand that you would open up their eyes of their heart of what their identity is in Christ Jesus and that you would radically change the direction of their lives this morning, that you would encourage them in who they are to glorify your name in the short time that they have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I was going to read out of Matthew chapter 6 and I really felt like the Lord wanted me to go in a different direction and we're going to spend some time just briefly and I'm going to get into my message. I'm going to have to cut out some stuff because I, uh, I want to honor the time here. But I think there's a really seriousness to my message today. Because as I'm looking around the body of Christ, as I get to travel around the world and I get to teach at about 40 to 50 different churches a year, I am sensing, I am sensing a, such a callousness. There's so much teaching. We have so much access. We have so many translations, so many commentaries, so many great teachers. It's overwhelming, but yet I am seeing such a callousness as if we have heard this so much that we just kind of go, oh, yay. And this is the, the God Almighty who has identified himself with you and what he wants to do with you. And I want to read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7, some of this stuff. This is Paul, and go back and read Ephesians. I started again, I was going to Ezekiel this morning, and the Lord took me back to Ephesians 1, and I was reading it, and I had to quit because it was like, Lord, the overwhelmingness of your love towards me, your grace is undeserved. But Paul, who got all that, he started in uh, verse 7, he said, Of this gospel... I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Body of Christ, if you're a believer, you might not believe it, but you have been given gifts by God to go out and bear fruit that is going to abide. There is no question that every believer in Christ Jesus has been endowed with spiritual gifts to go out and do things to glorify his name. And so many of us have no clue even what that means. And I'm asking that the Lord would break through. But Paul got that. By the grace, though, wasn't anything he did, which was given to me by the working of his power. Not intellect, not hard work, not spit and vinegar, but the working of his power to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. What humility, the humility we should have. We were not given a great voice to sing. We were not given a great voice to, to be an orator. It is the grace to me, though I am the least of all the saints. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles, the unsearchable, unsearchable, you should never get tired of your Bible, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God. For those of you who are Messianic Jew, I just want you to have patience and be praying for us Gentiles. This mystery, we read about Abraham and how God called Abraham out. And we understand that the, that the Israelites are the chosen people, but God held a mystery for all time, and that was that us as Gentiles will be brought in. This is big. This is so incredibly big. And now Paul is trying to say this. This was a mystery hidden for all the ages in God who created all things. So that, listen to this, so that through the church, it's not just coming here on Sunday as a checklist. 
You are the church of the living God. You have become the new temple where the Shekinah glory comes in and dwells. It used to be in a little, little place inside of a temple and in a little place inside of a tent. Now the Shekinah glory dwells in you and we don't walk around like that. We don't even honestly believe that because of the things that we are allowing to go on in our lives. But listen to this. This is huge. So that through the church, through you, the manifest wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Did you hear that? We all know in Ephesians chapter, a little bit later on, I think it's 6, forgive me, I should know this, I'm a pastor, and for some reason I'm having a blank moment. But it says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against what? Powers and authorities in heavenly places. You as the body of Christ, in your brokenness, you as a body of Christ, that the grace has been poured on, the mystery that it was held in God before all time, there are heavenly hosts, demonic forces looking on this and just going, wow. We don't walk in that authority. We don't walk in the understanding of who we are in Christ Jesus. What we do is we allow those same authorities to whisper in our ear, remember what you did? Remember that? Man, you can never glorify God. You looked at that, that website again. He entices, and then he convicts, and we walk around not realizing that our lives as a church were to literally be such a representation that the demonic forces in all creation are to look upon us and just kind of go, wow, that is the power and authority we have. And body of Christ, you as well as I know, we are not seeing that being walked out. There is such a brokenness within the church. There is so little power. I'm so blessed to get to hear your pastor I wish every one of you could have a few minutes with this man and hear the words that come out of him. I'm listening to the words and the spirit that comes out of this man. And there is a man that is on fire. And I am praying over this church because as I thought the entire church was that way, many of you are filled with the spirit. But so many of you in here, what God could do with you and a leader like you have could literally change this entire state. Let's go back to what Paul said here. Verse 11 this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness. You have boldness and access with confidence through your faith, through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. Verse 14. For this reason, for, for the eternal mystery, for, the, for God using his church to be able to shun, to be able to quiet the demonic forces, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit, not through your intellect, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend. Listen, that enemy has been beating you up long enough. I am praying that you will have the strength to comprehend this morning with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know intimately, personally, the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now to him who is able, he is not weak, he is not short-handed, to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him, here we go again, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
I'm with a ministry called Far Reaching Ministries, and the Lord has placed us in some of the most extreme places on the planet. We are currently really focusing our attention where most people are running from. Most people know us for our work in South Sudan, and I'm going to explain a little bit of that, but the Lord has called us deeper into territories where literally uh, people watch on the news with amazement and even have conversations, but that is where God is calling us to. We're dealing with, uh, with the remnants of ISIS and Hezbollah and Al-Qaeda and Hamas and Al-Shabaab and many of these other organizations that some of you kind of hear about. What I'm about to talk about doesn't make us braver than you. The only thing it does is it makes us obedient. See, God has a calling on your life, and if we were all dealing with that, who would be living in this community and in your families and in this church and bringing the love of Jesus Christ? Your obedience to where God has placed you for whatever season that is, is just as brave as what you think that you're about to hear from me. In fact, some of it's even harder. You're in a marriage that is just lifeless. But your obedience to love in that relationship, to, to fast and to pray for your marriage to be restored, to pray over your children, to believe the power of the Lord God, even if it takes years, it, it takes incredible bravery to do that. And yet so many Christians want to give up and think that God's not listening and they take control and try to do this in their own flesh. As a ministry, we have been hands-on in uh, two of the longest civil wars in Africa. The first one in northern Sudan and the second one in, um, or, excuse me, southern Sudan and, and the other one in northern Uganda. And as a ministry, we have been raised up. We raise up the chaplains, the pastors, just like your brave pastor. They literally are embedded in a foreign army and they stand in a, as a defense between the onslaught of the enemy and those who are, are in peril. And what makes us a little unique is in the last 16 years of serving where we have, we've had 22 of our team members die in the service of the Lord. You're going to see a video uh, in, a, in about five minutes from now. You'll get to meet some of the chaplains. But the, these are stories. It's easy to say that there's 22 people, but these are my brothers. I've sat down with them. We've talked about their families. I've taught them the Word of God. I've laid hands on them and sent them out. And then all of a sudden, you know, I have pictures on my phone that with me, with my hand around them before they're actually being deployed, and now they're gone. It, to us, it's a very personal thing. But we also realize that where we serve is that there's a very real chance that in the next coming years that as many as 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 additional team members could die. And I would ask that you'd pray for us, and that includes the senior staff as we go in where most people are running from. The next few minutes, there's going to be some shock factor about what I'm going to be talking about, and I am so glad I see the youth up there, us older souls. I want the Lord to work on us, and, but it's you, youth. If the Lord should tarry, and we're supposed to occupy till he comes, and we all believe because of world signs that he's coming back, but if he chooses to wait another thousand years, Pastor Joe and myself, we have to hand the mantle off to you guys. And I am praying in the name of Jesus that you break away from this, this lethargic religion and that the Spirit fills you like what he did with Tozer at 17 and Amy Carmichael. And you go out in the power of the Holy Spirit with new wine and new wineskin and you do something to turn this world upside down. Now, that's who I'm really here for. But the shock factor... The shock factor I'm about to talk to you about, I, I hope it's not just stories that you can take home later on, because what I am trying to make a point on, what the Lord has driven home in me is what we've seen in the flesh, the cruelty of mankind to inflict on other mankind is beyond most of us that we can even understand. But in the spiritual realm, Christian, hear me, there is a greater war that is going on that eclipses every war that we have ever experienced on planet Earth. 
Even though a war is deadly and violent and people are hurt and bodies are destroyed and bad things happen, we have an enemy this morning that is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking for lives that he may be able to destroy. And he is taking billions of people into eternity separated from God. Although there are not bullets flying over our head and bombs exploding and shrapnel ripping into our body, we've got to wake up to the fact that there is an enemy that wants to destroy. We don't have to be afraid this morning. But we have to become wise. We've got to wake up out of our slumber. All of us have to wake up out of our slumber and start interceding in the spirit so that we can understand what is going on. See that ripping of your marriage that's happening? We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. It may feel like it's your spouse, but it is the demonic world, the enemy that is destroying the mind and the heart and everything. And the enemy is really patient, by the way. You may start out dynamic, but if he can just put little cracks within your marriage or in your life, he doesn't care if it takes 20 years. If eventually that crack turns into something where the foundation can't hold and your entire faith crumbles, he's, he's, he's happy. Because all the people that you told that God was real now look into your life and say, huh, another Christian. We need to be on our faces with tears running out, with anguish, praying over the marriages in this church, praying over the children in this church, praying that God would release us from the bondage. Because in here this morning, there are people that are hurting. There are people in here that as Christians in leadership that are, are addicted to things that they shouldn't be addicted to. They can't seem to be letting that go. There is such a bondage, and we need to be praying that that bondage would be released. Sudan gained its independence from uh, Britain in 1956, and most years since then it has been devastated by two back-to-back -back civil wars. We have been embedded in the second civil war, which modern historians are calling the most violent civil war in all modern history, and most of us haven't even heard about it. It has been predominantly the Arab North coming down with one goal, and that is to completely eradicate the black African South for two reasons. One is a religious ideology, and the second is the color of their skin, the simple color of their skin. It's so hard for us in America. I, I know that we have problems, but there, is a, there are groups of people that so hate opposite colors of skin that they would wipe them all out. It's, it's mind-boggling. Out of a population of about 9 million or 10 million, uh, during the time in which we've served there, it's between 2 to 2.5 million people have been genocide. And most of you haven't even heard about it. <clears throat> they don't have oil that we buy. There's no natural resources that prop up our stock market. And these things are happening around the world. But it's what has happened. How, how the en enemy has inflicted pain is just harder than most Americans can even comprehend. If we were a village in South Sudan during the heights of these atrocities and we're living in our mud huts with our grass roofs called tukuls and we weren't paying attention and the enemy came in, many times they would just mow as many people down with machine guns as they could. Other times they would take the leadership in here, the men in here, and they would take them in front of their village and, and they would torture them in ways that is just uncomprehensible for what Americans can understand. But what they did to the women and children is even harder for me to even understand, and I serve there. I still don't wrap my mind around it. I have to continue to put it on the altar of God and trust God to, to give me the strength to do this. They would take these ladies, and sometimes with as few as uh, five men, sometimes with an excess of 100 men, they would violate them over and over and over again. They would take women, and if they were breastfeeding or if they were pregnant, they would cut off their breasts so that they couldn't even feed their own children. 
And I'm going to get through this pretty soon, but these are some tough things that we have to understand. This is going on across the globe. We may not like this. We may squirm, but body of Christ, we've got to wake up that there is a bigger thing that is going on. And the lulling that is happening in the church is breaking the heart of the living God. I'm not asking you to live in the pain and the reality, but it's to wake up to. There is more to this than the American dream of two children, a dog, a house, and retirement. We are serving the King of Kings. We have been called aliens. We are passing through. We should be uncomfortable. We should be serving the King of Kings. And I, if I wish I, if I could get on my knees and beg for, for the body of Christ to wake up to this, I would, but I know that won't have any effect. I can only pray that the Holy Spirit will pierce. They would take these ladies who uh, were not attractive or tried to get away or refused to be uh, violated, and they would cut off their lips and their nose and their ears. And I'm going to tell you, you can't walk up to somebody who has seen that type of tragedy, give them a glass of water or a a bottle of water and say, it's going to be okay and walk away. You have to be willing to pour your life out for as many years as possible so that they can actually tangibly see, taste, hear, and feel the love of Jesus Christ. Here's the good news. I wish I, and I have a lot of suddenly moments, but a lot of things that I've noticed in life is that it takes time. And as we've walked with a lot of these people who've seen nothing but tragedy, over time, these people who have just been so decimated in the flesh and in the spirit have become some of the greatest witnesses of the power of God to heal the most broken of hearted. In the body of Christ, some of you have seen some pretty tough stuff. You've had pain inflicted on you. And I'm not downplaying this because pain is pain. When the people who are supposed to love you the most hurt you the most, it is just so hard to understand. Or, or when strangers can do just incredibly cruel things. But as, the, as believers in Christ Jesus, the hope that we have, and it may take time, is that through the love of Jesus Christ over time, you can become some of the greatest witnesses of the power of God to heal the most broken of hearted. That's what the world is screaming for. They're screaming for this power to transform lives because everybody out there that wants nothing to do with your God, the hypocrisy, all those things, their lives will be hit by fire. And when they find out that this is a hospital where a body of believers has gotten together and they fall before the living God in obedience and they start to walk in such a way that they they are not grieving the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit begins to burn and this becomes a hospital, you will not be able to contain the people that come in here to be able to be touched by the living God, that is our calling in life. Uh, There's a lot that has been going on in Sudan as well as around the world, and I'm going to try to cut through it because I'm looking at my time, but be praying for us. We're serving in other areas like Darfur where over 300,000 people have already been killed. We're going to watch a DVD here in a minute, and uh, you'll be able to hear from the chaplains where we have 75 chaplains at hundreds of thousands of people this morning because the enemy very well uh, f- uh, funded. They have helicopter gunships and Ananoff bombers and, and MiG fighters, and they bought some other advanced weaponry from Russia, and they're bombing and burning villages just trying to b- destroy as many people as possible. And hundreds of thousands of people are living in rocks and c- caves near starvation. And we have 75 of my brothers that are serving there, and I ask that you'd pray. You know, the other thing that we got into, and I've got to watch my time here, is uh, this ISIS thing. You could tell we have enough on our plates. But where we serve in Africa, in America, we're hearing these things going on, but we're very filtered. It's very good. They filter the news. It's just part of the things we do things. But in other parts of the world, they don't. And we were in Africa, and when everything was exploding with ISIS, there was one picture that moved us, and we said we had to do something. We couldn't just sit by and there was a picture of a man, a dad, holding a, what looked like a two-year-old or in a little blue dress. 
and he was crying out in anguish, and they showed the full thing because it's African news, and because she was a Christian at two years old, they had decapitated her. And we said, Father, we cannot stand by. We need to go and bring the love of Jesus Christ to those who need him the most. So I would ask that you'd pray for us. I get to deal with organizations that most of you will never even deal with. I never expected this to happen, but like the UN and the Red Cross. And I can tell you I don't agree with almost everything that comes out of the UN. In fact, I've seen in parts of the world that where they have stirred the pot and made things worse because they will get billions of dollars more thrown at them from governments. But I'm also thankful that God can use non-Christian organizations to bring relief. If it weren't for the UN and South Sudan alone, uh, while we've been serving there, dropping in hundreds of tons of food along with us as well as medical supplies, probably a couple million more people would have died from starvation as well as disease. But this is where I want to shift gears. I'm talking to my brothers and sisters, and I don't know where you are spiritually. The Lord is not giving me that discernment right now. I look out and I just assume you look so great. You look like you have your Sunday best on. You're the salt of the world. That's what I see right now. But I want to remind you something, believer. For those of you who confess Christ Jesus, you truly have a love for him. I want to remind you of this, that it's us. It's the body of Christ. When we go love on those people who are in the greatest amount of need and the greatest amount of peril, when we go love on people day after day, month after month, year after year, tragedy after tragedy, for no other reason than the relentless compassion that Christ Jesus has shown us, we are most like Christ Jesus. And you probably think I'm talking about Sudan and uh, ISIS territory, Syria and Iraq, and I am. But I'm actually talking about what I know is going on even in this room this morning. Again, I look out and everything looks good, but as a pastor who gets to teach at about 40 to 50 different churches around the globe each year, what I know is happening here is that there's actually pain going on in here this morning. There are marriages that are being ripped apart, and some of them we know about and others we don't. There are hearts that have never mended because that covenant relationship was torn apart, and that's not God's intention in that loneliness. There are parents in here trying to raise their children as single parents, and they don't even know how they're going to be able to do this. There are, I've heard earlier, there are afflictions to our body. There are illnesses. There are people in here worried about children and family members running 100 miles an hour at a cliff and about to swan dive off and destroy their lives. There are believers in here this morning that are living under depression and anxiety and panic attacks. There are believers in here this morning, whether we know it or not, that are living in bondage and they can't break free. There are things going on in their private lives that are so destroying them. And body of Christ, I am here to exhort you. And I think this church is a little unique. I'm here to exhort you not to buy in this thing called consumerism that is spreading across the church and we are going to answer for it. Where we come to a church and we sit in these pews and we hear the word of God and we listen to a worship team. And if we don't like the worship, if we don't like whatever's going on, if we don't like the guest pastor, we get up and go find another venue. It was never meant to be that way. We were to rise up out of these chairs and use the gifts that God has given us to love on one another with the relentless compassion that Christ Jesus has shown us. Not just one meal, but show up a year later and invest in that, that single person's children as a, as a man or as a, as a woman or just reach into them. We were called to be so radically different for the glory of Jesus Christ because of what he's done in our life. I wish I had time this morning, and I don't, to tell you about some radical stories of these men and women. They would blow your mind. What I love about these guys, though, is and these women, we actually have women who are staying in ISIS territories because there's Muslims killing Muslims. 
and they realize they have an opportunity to go and bring Jesus Christ for the first time, and so women have chosen to stay too, because they can do it, because men can't go to a Muslim woman. It is, they just can't. Somebody's going to end up dead, even worse than the persecution that's going on. And it's just so neat. But the, the people that we serve with, those chaplains, these are men and women of courage. These are not mamby-pamby, soft-wristed, tender-footed people. But yet their incredible love and care that they have for the perishing and the hurting and those who are in agony. These are doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving themselves. I wish I could tell you about Michael and Lino and Tobias and Abdaman. I'm going to tell you real briefly about one of the pastors that we are dealing with. This is a short story. I have one last story if I have time a little bit later. But this guy is in Syria. He and his family stayed in Syria. And we were getting in food because they have nothing. I mean, when I'm talking nothing, they have nothing. And so we're smuggling in food and, and into these pastors and their families who have chosen to stay. And we're able to get in some food. And what this man chose to do, because he knew a lot of his Muslim neighbors were suffering too, they had nothing. And so he's taking that food and he's breaking it up into little pieces and he's taking it to Muslim homes to bring the love of Jesus Christ to those suffering people. And he had the courage and he went to one of the top imam's homes and he walked up to the house, and the city is decimated, and his wife was there, and in that culture, that's not okay, so he walked away and apologized, and as he was walking away, he ran into this imam, and he gave the imam some food, and said, I just want to come to you in the name of Jesus, and this is something that I have that I need to share with you, because I know that you're suffering too, and he was invited in, and this imam gave his heart to Jesus Christ, and today he is running underground Bible studies. You have no idea what God can do with your life when you quit thinking about yourself. Body of Christ, the way that uh, we live for Christ Jesus, it really does matter. Hear me on this. Everything in your life can be taken from you. Your marriages, your finances, your health, your reputation, your sanity, your children. I am not trying to make you live in fear. But when I was going to read Matthew chapter 6, go back and read it later on, 19 through 24, Jesus was talking about storing up your treasures in heaven. We should be the most responsible people. I am not advocating irresponsibility here. But when we make this little piece of dirt, everything about us, uh, our little favorite places, our little things, everything we want, when we put our death grip into this little piece of dirt, what Jesus is saying is you are so missing the mark. That little piece of dirt is going to be taken from you. And the only things that will live into eternity for the believer are the things that we do to bring glory to Jesus Christ. When we go into eternity, there is no time. It's so hard for us to understand. I have a watch here. I'm watching the time. We live in time. My birthday's coming up. We live in time. In eternity, there is no time. But to help us out, for those of you who love Jesus Christ, what you do to bring glory to Jesus Christ, you will not be able to go out 999 trillion years and outlive what God will do to bring glory and love on you for what you did to glorify his son. And I am here to, to exhort you to let these things of the world go. Be the best husband, the best wife. Be the best employee. And regrettably, most Christians are not the best employees. But be the best as unto God. But what you do is you bring glory to God because it's the only thing that you're going to take forward. I want to talk to uh, my brothers and sisters real quick. I just want to say a few things to you. First of all, I want to talk to my brother and sister. You've been around for a while. Maybe you're getting up there in age. And it has been a long, hard season. Maybe it's been a couple years. Maybe it's been 10 years. See, in South Sudan, we get war-weary. You get tired of death. You just get tired of everything always being about death. You do. And it's easy for us to be tempted by the enemy to get war-weary, to just get exhausted. And some of you are exhausted. And I want to encourage you with the words that I live by. 
and that is do not grow weary in doing well, for in due season you will, that is a promise from the breath of God, you will reap if, that is a condition from the very breath of God, you do not give up. How many things have we missed out on because we gave up? This is the neat thing about Christianity. I am not here to throw guilt on you. It is the only religion in the world, the only truth in the world, that no matter how much you have failed as a believer, you can fall before the living God today and be touched by his grace. You can fail again tomorrow, and by the love of Jesus Christ, you can be picked up because his mercies are new every day. I don't care what bondage you're walking into. I don't care what relationship I do care, but I don't care what relationship you are living in. You can break those things by the power of the Holy Spirit today, fall before the living God. There are consequences for sin. And if you haven't realized that yet, you're going to wake up one day and find that. But there is grace because God can even take the broken, foolish things in our lives and turn them into something good. I am a living example of a man who should not be in ministry, but the love and the grace and the mercy of God has called me to stand before you. If you heard my testimony, most of you would not even want to hear from me. Maybe one day I'll come back and talk at a men's group and share that testimony so you can understand that it is nothing that I have done. It is the grace of God. But the other two people I need to talk to is my brothers and sisters who you disengaged from the battle a while ago or you've never engaged. And here's my exhortation. Get in the battle. Prove by the way that you are living that what we have in Christ Jesus is really, really, really worth it all. You know, we all want the reward. We all want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. When we hear that, it just jumps from our chest. But body of Christ... We have to understand something, that most of the church today, although they want the rewards of heaven, they want to get into heaven and have all those things, they, have to, they don't understand that it has to cost them everything. See, the grace of Jesus Christ has poured on me. I am undeserving to be standing here today. I deserve judgment and damnation for the people I've hurt. I understand before the living God that I quake in my very body knowing what I deserve and yet his grace is on me. The grace of Jesus Christ is unmerited, but here's the difference. Understanding that grace is one thing, but accepting that grace means that it must cost me my entire life. And if I want to stand before the living God and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, I am no longer my own. I belong to him, and I must seek out what his will is, and I must walk in obedience and speak in obedience when he gives me a chance to do it. When David had sinned, and I'm going to let your pastor do this, you think he's teaching through Kings, and he'll end up in Chronicles, and I may end up going about five minutes so over, Pastor, but I'll try to move through some of this. In 1 Chronicles 21 and 2 Samuel 24, there's different accounts of it. We all know King David, one of my heroes of the faith. We know his greatest sin, and that is Bathsheba, and then the death of Uriah. But other sin happened. When Uriah was killed, he ordered Uriah to be put up to the wall with other mighty men of valor. They did nothing wrong, and they also lost their life. But there's a story of when David, and depending on the scripture that you read, it says that uh, he, well, he sinned, and I'll let your, your pastor explain what all that is about at some other time. But he counted the children of Israel. And the prophet came to him and said, because of your sin, David, three things are going to happen. Two are going to judgment. Two are going to be at the hands of men, and one is going to be hands of God. And David, this is why I believe he has a heart after God. He said, I'd rather fall into the merciful hands of God than to the unmerciful hands of men. Yet, 70,000 people had to die because of his sin. 
Could you imagine that on your Christian resume? Because of your sin, that thing that you're doing on the internet, because of your sin, 70,000 people had to die. And David, wanting to go out and offering burnt offerings to the Lord in repentance, he went out, depends on the translation, he went out to Ornan, and Ornan wanted to make it easy on the king. It makes sense. He wanted to give him everything the king needed to make burnt offerings. And this is the other reason I believe that David is a man after God's own heart. David said these very words on his own sin. I will not offer unto God that which cost me nothing. I will not offer, Lord, hear my heart, I will not offer unto you that which costs me nothing. You know, I'm here today because I, uh, when, when Wes and I are stateside, we're fighting on the front lines over there, and your pastor's fighting on the front lines here, and we know that if the Lord should tarry, that the Republicans are not going to fix this. And the Democrats are not going to fix this. We are in big trouble. And we are praying, whenever Wes and I are here, we are praying that the Lord will use us in a body. And I will keep going until the Lord will be glorified. And I am praying that he'll take me into a small remnant of people. See, I came out of a megachurch. But I'm going to tell you something. Every revival that has ever happened, everything that you read in Scripture, God has always used a remnant. And I would rather be here than a church of 10,000 because if the Lord will just graciously hear my prayer and he will start to burn in this church and more of you and we will fall before the living God and when there is prayer called, everybody shows up and in weeping and in, in fasting, we fall before the living God and he burns, his fire starts to burn because the Holy Spirit is no longer grieved and lives are transformed and a fire starts here and it moves through New Jersey and New York and grows across the world, I will glorify my God for all eternity and that's why I'm here. I am asking for him to pour out his spirit because it's the only hope that we have in America. I am here and if you want to support me, do not worry about that. I'm not here for me. Your pastor has been gracious. I tried to talk him out of it, but he's just a really good man. If you guys haven't figured that out, perfect. No, probably not. I think he's pretty good, but I didn't get to see the other side of him. <laughs> but he is a really good man. I've tested his spirit. And if you guys don't understand who this man is, imperfect, I'm going to tell you, this man loves Jesus Christ and he's not afraid to say it. And I want you to remember that your job is to stand when this church right here financially. I know pastor talking finances, but I am unashamed. Because where your money is, where, how you deal with those things, one thing I know in my own life is my attitude towards money. And I'm not talking about giving foolishly, but my attitude towards money as a believer. There is no other part of my spiritual life that is going to show victory in proportion to my obedience to giving my finances. And I'm asking you to get involved here because this is where God has called you. He didn't call you to Sudan, most of you. He didn't call you to ISIS. He called you here as a light within this community. And it takes money to run lights and, and pay for pastor and all the things that go on. I know it. I, I can scare people out of the church on this one. But, I, uh, but that's not my heart. If you are interested in our, our ministry, please do not give to me. Uh, I'm fine. If you want to get involved in it, I have some chaplains that you got to meet out there. And, and some of these pastors, both men and women, uh, women who are doing ministry work over in the ISIS territory, we had to, to change their name and block out their faces in case somebody accidentally takes a picture and puts it onto Facebook. And then, you know, it, it's a death sentence. If you are interested in that, I have some out there that need to actually uh, be sponsored. Uh, if you want to do emergency response, that allows me as a general manager to take in hundreds of tons of food and medical supplies and, and all the things that I need to do. 
If you want to do that, I would go out there and you can pick one or two, a chaplain, pastor, whatever you want to do. Uh, I, I'm not going to pick them out for you because I can't. That wouldn't be right. It would be like me trying to tell you which one of my children are my favorite and I don't have a favorite. Just ask you to close your eyes, pick one out and do that. A couple things I would ask is that if you would just stand with us and do this automatically and monthly, and here's why. We're not going to remind people. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit, not, not, not guilt, not emotion. And we're not going to spend thousands of dollars to remind you to do whatever the Lord has put on your heart. We want the Holy Spirit to be moving in your heart. And if you want to do it, I would ask that you do it monthly and automatically. You're going to pick them. You're going to take them home. Just write on here what you're going to do. It's $50 a month if you want to do that. Some of you can't. Don't worry about the amount. If it's a dollar a month or if it's 100 whatever the Lord allows you to do, whatever he's given you, you can do that. I'll see you out there. And as I'm uh, finishing, Pastor, can I have five more minutes? Okay. I want to tell you about Aziz. Aziz is another brother. I had to change his name because this is being recorded. Aziz came from a family with a, of a, his dad is a very feared warlord in part of the region he comes from. This man is hate-filled. He hates Christianity. He hates the Western world. He hates the infidel. And Aziz, and this is hard for most Americans to understand, but Aziz started having these dreams. He had no knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this man named Jesus started coming to him in his dreams. And this man named Jesus said, Aziz, I want you to find me. I'm a man of peace. And he kept having these repeated dreams, and he felt so warm. He felt such a peace that he'd never experienced in his life in such a region of turmoil. And uh, he went to his mom finally and said, Listen, I'm having these dreams of a man named Jesus, a man of peace. And he said, To find me, do you know who this is? And the mom screamed at him and said, That is a demon. You are never to mention that name again, and you are never to have those dreams. And he said, But I, I've never felt so much peace. And the mom struck him in the face. And he went home and he said, Mom, I need to talk to you. This man named Jesus is calling me. He's telling me to find him. Do you know who this Jesus is? His brother in the other room heard him mention the name of Jesus, came running in, pushed him to the ground and started kicking him in the face and said, you infidel, You're, you bring the name of Jesus into this home. I'm going to go get father and you know what he's going to do to you. And he left out of the house and the mom said, son, you know, caring mom, you've got to leave. You've got to run. Your father will come and kill you. And so he ran and he went about 25 miles away. He had no car. To us, 25 miles is nothing. To them, it's a lot. And he went 25 miles away and he's living in this village, hiding in a village. And a couple weeks later, a box shows up. And he knows what his father can do, and he was really afraid of this box, but something inside him finally prompted him to open up this box. He was not prepared for what he was about to experience. When he finally opened up the box, inside the box were decaying body parts, and on top was a picture of his mother being, being killed. And a note from his dad saying, this is what I've done to the woman who has protected the infidel, and I am coming for you. This drove Aziz to the Lord, and today Aziz is running underground Bible studies and he has led many people to the Lord within the last uh, few months. He's already had six, six people that he's led to the Lord been decapitated. There is a cost in the world to follow Jesus Christ. And when these people are willing and know that it's going to cost them their very life to bring glory to Jesus Christ, we are going to stand with them no matter what the cost is to us. And that's why I'm here for you because there are people outside these walls that need to know the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to stand with you today until you understand that your calling is greater than your fear. I want to finish with a... I can't finish with Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And I uh, want to finish with these last words as they come up. And body of Christ, with everything that is swirling through your head, I just want to kind of pull it together. 
Go home and read Revelation chapter 4. Be reminded about this, this God that you serve, that created beings serve, lay down and worship him. That this universe, that some of you who love space, who out there hundreds of light years away, God threw those stars out there, and he has them by name. He threw them out there with his fingertips. This, this universe that can't even contain God has come down to you personally, and he has made you the holy of holies where he dwells with his spirit. Your calling is so great. It's time for us to wake up in the spirit to what that calling is. Hear me on this. Body of Christ. I cry out to you. When our final moments come, and they will come, the greatest regret that we are going to have is not heavily investing in eternity. There are no do-overs. There are no second chances. In life, you get second chances. But when you breathe your last, when the Lord's determined your last breath and you enter into eternity, there are no do-overs. And I am pleading with you, with every ounce that I have within me, is for you to start living for the glory of Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. You may have wasted 50 years of your life, maybe even 70 years of your life. But what God can do in the next five years of your life, 50 days of your life, is greater than everything you could have wasted before that. The king in whom we serve is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and he does come to heal and renew. That is the God in which we serve. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfield's by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.